Hail and well met, everyone. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a podcast by a nerd for other nerds that love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather, and I'll be your host as we journey into the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Geek Thyself. This week, I'm going to start off by talking about our subscription drive. I've mentioned it already a couple of times, but I just wanted to give you guys an update. So it's been going for the last week and a half at this point when my episode airs, and it's been going well. We really appreciate all of your support. It means so much to us that you guys like what we're doing and enjoy listening to it and want to help support us in any way you can. Honestly, even a a retweet, a shout out, anything like that, we appreciate all of it because we are just getting started with this. And just like you, we're all just huge nerds who love D&D, love video games, love sci-fi fantasy stuff. So, you know, being part of that community and having you guys respond to us, we just really appreciate it so much. That being said, during the subscription drive, if you do subscribe to the Nerdsmith Network or... If you upgrade your subscription, then you get some extra benefits and goodies for doing it during the subscription drive. Regardless of when you subscribe during the year, you get access to the bonus loot for being a subscriber, and you also get access to the special channels on the Nerdsmith Discord server. There's one specifically for minions, one specifically for sidekicks, and one specifically for champions. If you subscribe at any of the higher levels, you do get access to the lower level chats, but otherwise those chats are private just for the people that are subscribed at those levels. During the drive, you also get things like at the sidekick level, you get to pick either a Nerdsmith keychain or a Nerdsmith uh, pin. And then at the champion level, in addition to getting the pin and the keychain, you also get a special Nerdsmith mug. And that's in addition to all of the benefits that you get year-round and in addition to supporting us, which, again, we really appreciate so much. So please check it out at nerdsmith.org donate. And with that, let's get into this week's topic. This week, I'm going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite book series, which is the Xanth series by Piers Anthony. For obvious reasons, in case any of you decide to go back and read this book series, which I highly recommend... I don't want to give away any spoilers, so what I'm going to be doing is giving you sort of an overview of what the world of Xanth is about, but I'm going to try to avoid too much information about the plotline because I don't want to ruin anything or spoil it for someone. Part of what is so much fun and that I love so much about Xanth is that each book is unique, the characters are unique, the plot lines, I mean, some of them have been done to a certain degree, It'd be really hard to come up with something no one had ever seen before ever in a fantasy novel at this point, let's be honest. But the way he does it, the characters he comes up with, and the different magical items and creations that come to him and become part of the storyline with a lot of puns involved, those are unique, and I don't want to give a lot of those away. I am going to talk about some of them because it gives you an idea of sort of the flavor of the novel series as well as giving you an idea of what Xanth, the the world of Xanth, is like so that you can get a better idea of if this might be a good book series for you. 
The Xanth novel series has been around for several decades. It first started back in the 70s with the book called A Spell for Chameleon in 1977. That was the very first book in the Xanth series, and at the time, Piers Anthony was not planning to have it be his biggest series. He was just trying to do a different genre because he had a options contract with a different publishing company. So he needed a way to create books and publish them with a new publisher that he wanted to work with that didn't infringe upon some of his previous publications. So he had to stay away from his normal genre at the time that he'd been doing, which was sci-fi, and he decided to try a fantasy novel. And so A Spell for Chameleon was started. He also at the time was moving with his family from the more urban areas of Florida into the more wild area of Inverness in Florida. And unsurprisingly, some of the new animals and wildlife and things he saw there made their way into the story in the form of some of his very punish creations. One thing that I enjoy about the world of Xanth, but that I know not everyone is a huge fan of, is that some of the more unique animals and plant life and creations that are part of the world are based off of puns. So for instance, in Florida, where Piers Anthony lives, there's a tree called a silver oak. And so there's a tree in Xanth called a silver oak, but it's an oak tree that's literally made of silver because it's a pun. There's another book I read, um, again, trying not to give away too many spoilers, but there is a recurring drink throughout several of the novels that's called Boot Rear. So instead of root beer, it's Boot Rear. And when you drink it, it tastes like root beer, but it gives you a sharp kick to the butt because it's Boot Rear. So things like that, where, you know, they're not necessarily super highbrow jokes, but they're cute little things hidden throughout the story. And it's always interesting to see if you can figure out what the pun is, because some of them are very, um, some of them are more subtle than others. The silver oak, the boot rear, pretty obvious. He has one in there where a character encounters clear cherries. Now, all cherries on cherry trees are actually cherry bombs. So the clear cherry, it's a new breed of cherry, and it's a new clear cherry. So it's an extra strong cherry bomb. I think you see where I'm going with this nuclear cherry bomb. So things like that, where it's fun to find them, it's fun to figure out exactly what he's going for, and often you get to discover it along with the characters in the book, which makes it fun as well. Because even for the residents of the land of Xanth, what you encounter in one section may be completely different from what you encounter in another. And there are a lot of different areas. There's the centaur isle, where the centaurs live. There are the ogre fens. Well, it's actually ogre fen, ogre fen, where the ogres live. There's the gap chasm, which runs east to west across a portion of Xanth, separating the two halves. The kiss me river, instead of Kissimmee, which exists in Florida, things like that, where he's thrown them in to create a world that has some parallels to the, his home state of Florida, but is also unique and very, very magical. Speaking of magic, one of the things that I love about the series and that I think is a very interesting twist on magic in a world in general is that everyone born in Xanth, all the the people, the humans, and some of the human 
crossbreeds and things like that. Not so much the creatures themselves. So for instance, harpies and other monsters, things like that, don't have their own magical talents. But every other creature, the humans, some of the ghosts and zombies that are around, things like that, they all have their own magical talent. And there's a wide range of talents. No two people have the exact same talent. Some talents overlap to a certain degree, but no one has the exact same talent as someone else. For example, there are two characters that recur throughout a few of the books. One is named Dor, D-O-R, and the other one is Grundy, G-R-U-N-D-Y. Dor is a human with magical abilities, and his ability is to speak to inanimate objects. Any inanimate object can speak to him and he can speak back, as long as he's in the general vicinity. So if he walks into a room, the walls can talk to him, they can tell him what was what happened in the room, the floor can talk to him, the rugs can talk to him, the chairs, the table, the fork on the table, everything in the room can talk to him, and he can talk back and understand it. So it's a very powerful talent. You can get a lot of information. There's a lot of things you can do with it, but it's only inanimate objects. Grundy, on the other hand, has a similar talent, but with living things. So he can talk to plants. He can talk to trees, the flowers, anything that wouldn't normally be able to talk to you. He has that ability, but he can't talk to things like the walls and the tables like Dor can. So even though there's some overlap in exactly what their abilities are, they're still very different and unique talents. Similarly, there are other characters, one of whom, uh, Trent, is one character. He can transform other people into different things. So he can transform another person into a different type of creature, or he could transform a person into a tree or something like that. However, one of his grandsons, Dolph, who's also the son of Dor, Dolph can transform himself into other creatures. So instead of turning another person into a harpy or some sort of naga, Dolph can turn himself into those things. He can turn himself into a dragon or a butterfly or pretty much any living creature, a werewolf, you know, you name it, he can change himself into it. So they have, both of them have transformative type magic, but they work it in a very different way and it has a very different effect on the storyline. The fun thing about Xanth also is that all of these characters that you meet in the different books and really grow to love, all the storylines to a certain degree around a few of the main characters interconnect. You can read each of the books individually. You don't have to read them all in a row or anything like that. Each story is a separate story, which is handy because you can start it at any point and go back and reread it. But one of the things that he does is that characters that are deemed important enough to keep the land of Xanth safe they're given a chance to basically relive another life uh, to a certain degree. There is a fountain of youth in the land of Xanth, and there's one particular character, the good magician Humphrey, who has found it, and he's a good magician, he's a good person, he keeps it safe, makes sure that it doesn't get abused, and as part of his job, basically, as a caretaker of information in Xanth, he makes sure that if there are any magicians 
who have a powerful enough ability or an important enough role in the history and protection of Xanth need to stick around that they do because he uses the water from the fountain of youth to euthanize quote unquote and spelled y-o-u-t-h-e-n-i-z-e-d so not euthanized like put your pet to sleep but euthanized as in euthened they're given the water from the fountain of youth and they become younger and basically get to live another lifetime so there's something where a lot of your favorite characters, some of the rulers of Xanth, for example, who have a long family line that keeps coming back into the stories via the princes and princesses of future generations, you get to keep seeing them or hearing about them. Periodically, they'll pop into a book for a moment to give some sort of vital information about the past to their descendant and then they're gone again but you get to see them again and you get to find out what's happening with them which is something that I really like because one of the things I do as someone who's into role play and everything is I become very invested in some of the characters and I want to know what happened to them I want to know who person X and married and what happened with person Y that we saw in that one story. You know, they were such a good person. Did they ever find what they were looking for? Things like that are things that I really like to find out about as a reader. And that is something that Piers Anthony does very well. Now, he creates tons of characters. So there are characters that he doesn't come back to. But there's a lot that he does. And sometimes it's even characters that only had one scene in a previous book, but maybe it was an important scene or you got to find out something about them that made them attractive for him to then write another story about. So there's all of these tie-ins to previous books. They don't make it necessary for you to read the previous books, but they do help if you've read the other books. It's, I'm not going to lie, it makes it a little easier sometimes to follow what's happening because you know who these characters are and what the structure of the world is. But he does a very good job of explaining things in each book, especially whenever a mundane is brought into the world of Xanth. The way the basic structure works is that Xanth is a sort of floating island that travels around the world and where it connects and what timeline it connects with. So sometimes it'll connect with someone who's from the Renaissance and sometimes it'll connect up with the world back in the Civil War. It might connect with the world back, you know, in the 80s, things like that. It's it's all different. So the timeline of where a person enters into Xanth can vary and that obviously gives Piers Anthony a lot more leeway to play with kind of what kind of people he brings into Xanth. But humans entered Xanth from Mundania. Mundania is the human world as you and I know it. The world of computers and science and big companies like Starbucks and McDonald's, you know, those sorts of things are part of what make up the world of Mundania, our world. And then the world of Xanth, like I said, it's sort of like a floating island, but it is its own separate dimension or separate plane, depending on what kind of terminology you really want to use. The way it works is that Xanth, as well as Earth and all of the other planets, are ruled by a demon. And it's a demon with a capital D, which indicates a powerful entity that surrounds some sort of existing scape. And each of those demons, the way that they vie for power and who's going to be able to do what and who's more powerful than the other and all of that 
is they are constantly gambling with each other and making wagers. And those wagers affect the people that are on the world of Xanth and on Mundania, but we never even know they're happening. It just happens, and then something will affect whatever demon lost. This one I unfortunately can't give any really good examples for without giving away plotline that wouldn't necessarily ruin the story for anyone, but, you know, there's an entire book that's just about a result of one of these wagers, so I can't really talk about it too much. However, there are tons of other books and tons of other storylines that happen, and I've they're all really interesting in my opinion. Obviously, this is a book series I love, so I'm obviously biased and I don't make any bones about that. Nonetheless, I definitely think it's worth a good read. With that, we're going to go into our break, and when I come back, I'll be telling you more about sort of the overall structure and a little bit of the history of Xanth itself, again, without trying to give away any spoilers that might ruin it for someone who wants to go back and read the series themselves. Hi everyone! So this week I'm not going to talk about our subscription drive in the mid-roll other than to say if you're interested, again, please check it out at nerdsmith.org donate. I talked about it at the beginning of the episode instead, so this time I'm just going to talk about a couple of the other shows we have here at Nerdsmith that I really think you'd enjoy and should check out. One is Dear DM. Dear DM is a show hosted by Joe Collins, and every week he sits down with a different DM and interviews them, and it's a really interesting show. They talk about different DM tricks, different advice for DMs, they answer questions, and on this week's episode, which just aired the other day, he actually interviewed Matthew Mercer. Yes, you heard me right. Matthew Mercer from Critical Role was on Dear DM, so I definitely recommend you check that out. It's a great show. Really, really easy to listen to, really fun, and some of the characters they come up with and the ideas they have and tricks they have are very useful for anyone who is DMing or who has ever thought about DMing. You know, good little tips, so definitely check that out. The other show I want to tell you about, which hasn't officially come out yet but is going to be later this week, is Threads in the Veil. Threads in the Veil is an audio drama that sort of tangentially follows along with the storyline of the shenanigans. It's set in the same world of Veil and in the same city of Ashport, where shenanigans takes place. And it follows two characters, Meryl and Avipash, who are proctors for the Birchfield Institute. For anyone who doesn't listen to shenanigans, the storyline includes a institute called the Birchfield Institute, which is in charge of sort of research and development for a lot of different magical items, and the proctors are sort of their legal, quote-unquote, arm of their research group. They also do a lot of the procuring of items. So a really interesting storyline, some really great characters, and written by our very own Angela McCain, who's one of the directors here, and I definitely recommend you check it out. Both of these can be found on nerdsmith.org or anywhere that you download your podcasts. And with that, let's get back into talking about Xanth. So I mentioned earlier that Xanth has been around for decades, literally decades, because it was first published in 1977 and the book series is still going. Most recently, there was a book that came out in 
2017. So just last year, a new book came out in the series, and it's got a total of 41 books that have been published so far, with, at least according to what I've been able to find online, a couple more books in the works to come out in the next year or two. So it's still going strong all these years later and with over 40 books. One of the things that I think was really smart on Piers Anthony's part is that each of the books, with the exception of the first couple that have a recurring main character, each of the books has a different main character. So what that means is that even though you get to find out bits and pieces about what's happening to some of your favorite characters from previous books, you get a new character and a new perspective and a whole new storyline each time you read a new Xanth novel. So other than the first four books, which the first two, Bink, is the main character, and the second two, Dor, is the main character. After that, every single book has a different primary character, which I think is a really fun way to do it because, like I said, he brings in other characters periodically. But other than that, you get a whole new creature, a whole new story, new parts of the world to explore. The basic structure of Xanth is essentially the same shape as Florida. It was a good move, I personally think, on Piers Anthony's part to stick with something he was really familiar with, which is his home state of Florida. And actually, one thing I should clarify, Piers Anthony was actually born in Oxford, England, but he has lived in Florida for years and years and years, and that's what his Xanth novels are based off of structurally in terms of like the layout of the land. So that's why I'm referring it to it as his home state, just for anyone who's wondering or who looks it up. But anyway, the structure of Xanth is roughly the same shape as the peninsula of Florida. There's even some little islands off the coast that are various keys, including one called the No-Name Key. For anyone who's from Florida, that probably sounds familiar. But what he did is he split it up so there's different sections of the land that have different creatures living in them. I mentioned earlier there's a centaur isle, there's also an ogre area, there's a area where a lot of nymphs and fawns live. And yes, you heard me right, nymphs and fawns. Uh, one thing he does include in the books that I think is interesting is something called the adult conspiracy. Now, for those of us out there listening that are adults, which I'm guessing is probably most of my listeners, the adult conspiracy is pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. It is adults protecting children from learning how to summon the stork. And in his novels, he literally calls it summoning the stork. So the way that people have their babies is by summoning the stork, and then nine months later, the stork brings them a baby. So the, he's done things like that that sort of are a play off of terminology and things that we use here, but that also allow him to in, say something about them. You know, he can say, you know, they, they kissed and summoned the stork, but he doesn't have to go into details. So there's no points in the book where things get really too graphic. There are occasions where characters end up in weird or slightly compromising situations, but in my opinion, at least, nothing that crosses the line, nothing that really goes into anything that's a little too raunchy or anything like that. Like, I think, honestly, the most physical contact I've seen in some of his books is like someone falls on top of somebody else or they embrace passionately kind of thing. Like, nothing, nothing graphic. So for anyone who enjoys a little bit of romance mixed in with their fantasy, but doesn't necessarily want full-on sex scenes, this is also a good book series for that. The overall history of Xanth is that 
it was a land created by magic and had magic leaking into it. All of these magical creatures sprouted up. And then at some point, humans from the land of Mundania, so our people, us, from the land of Mundania, we ended up traveling into Xanth in various waves. There have been over 14 waves of people coming into Mundania, or excuse me, coming into Xanth from Mundania. And as I mentioned earlier, the exact timelines of when Xanth matches up with a place and time in the world varies. So they might have been coming from slightly different areas or slightly different um, time frames, and it, it varies all over the place. But these influxes of humans, um, unfortunately, were often aggressive and, you know, killed each other off or caused chaos in the history. But ultimately, what it led to is colonization by different groups of humans. And they discovered that their children that were born in Xanth had the magic abilities that I mentioned earlier. Now, some of these magical abilities are strange or not wanted. You know, they're, they're not always good. One character in one of the books is named Chlorine, and her magical ability is to poison water. Guess why? Because you don't want to drink chlorinated water. So, you know, there's things like that where some people don't like their magical abilities. And, of course, like any good fantasy series, you need someone that can give quests. So what Piers Anthony did is created a character named Good Magician Humphrey. I mentioned him earlier. Good Magician Humphrey, in addition to being a magician of high caliber, who's also a good person in general, is someone who has magic re revolving around knowledge. And he has a book that has a list of every person born in Xanth and every person that will ever be born in Xanth. And it tells what their magic ability is, what their magic talent is. So he can tell someone, oh, your magic talent is to turn peaches blue. You know, maybe that person had never encountered a peach and so had never gotten to use their ability and didn't know what it was. Things like that. However, he got, he's kind of a grouchy old dwarf, doesn't like people, and he's literally referred to that way. He's a grouchy old dwarf. He doesn't like people, doesn't really like conversing with everybody. So in order to make it harder for people to come ask him questions, he has set up a set of trials. Anyone who wants to go ask him a question has to make it through three trials, and they're called querents. Any querents have to get through those three trials. And then once they complete the three trials, if he is going to answer their question, they have to either do a year's worth of service for him, and it can vary. He might make them part of his challenges for future querents, or they have to do some sort of job for him. And the job for him usually ends up being some kind of quest. Again, Humphrey's big shtick is, I know all this info. I have tons and tons of knowledge about the inner workings of how Xanth works and how everything go fits together. So he will send people out on quests because he can tell from his books and all the knowledge he has that that person needs to be sent on a specific job in order to, for the betterment of Xanth, that kind of thing. So there's a, a fun way that he's sort of built in a quest giver without making it just like, oh, this person says, hey, can you help me? No, no, no. Humphrey is helping you. And in exchange, you have to do X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of a fun twist on that. Another thing I love, which I've mentioned earlier, is the puns. 
I am not the biggest pun fan, depending on how they're used, but I've always enjoyed the way Piers Anthony has done it in the book. So I mentioned Boot Rear and I mentioned the Nuclear Cherries. There are others. I'm a huge cat lover, as everyone who's listened to any of my podcasts has probably figured out. Speaking of, if you hear a bell sound earlier in the podcast, it is because my cat Cupid decided to be running around me all morning and hasn't wanted to leave me alone. And so her little bell keeps going tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the background. And I'm honestly just don't have the patience or the time to edit it all out. So it's going to stay in. But uh, one of his cat related puns that I really liked and that has stuck with me, even though it was many, many books ago, was the catapult. In one of his books, Magician Humphrey uses the catapult to send the the querents, the ones that are on a quest now, to the location in Xantha that they need to go. And the catapult is literally a gigantic cat who has a basket on its tail. And the the querents get into the basket and they the cat slams one of its front feet down and the querents go shooting across Xanth as the tail flings up and flings it across Xanth to where they need to be in the world, which as a cat lover and as someone who has fun with all his quirky little puns that he throws in, I just thought that was fantastic. It's not necessarily the most innovative pun ever, but it's a cool idea. I also do want to say for anyone who's not a huge fan of puns, it kind of cycles up and down how many puns he includes in the books. His first couple books didn't have that many, but people really liked the puns and actually started sending him puns, which, you know, whenever he uses someone's pun, he credits it, which is also something I think is really cool. He has an author's note at the end and he says, this pun was submitted by X, Y, and Z person. But he started putting more and more puns in, and then at a certain point he just hit a wall basically it's like okay this is too many puns can't keep doing this so he cut it back a little bit and toned it down there's still puns in there and he still throws new ones in but he isn't doing it quite as frequently so the first few books and the latter books that are have come out pretty much since cruel lie which incidentally is spelled c-r-e-w-e-l-l-y-e cruel lie another pun. Most of the names of the books are puns, honestly. Um, Those kinds of things. But the puns have toned down. So if they're not your thing, you could stick with the earlier books or the later books and probably still be fine. And honestly, like I said, most of his puns are more subtle. They're not all like smack you in the face. Or sometimes it's just like they run into a food item that happens to be a pun, like the boot rear, things like that. So it's not necessarily super invasive to the storyline. Some characters have names that are a little bit punny, but usually they're not the main characters, so it's not constantly getting thrown at you. Um, Well, with that, I am going to wrap up this week's episode. I hope that I gave you a good idea of sort of the flavor of Xanth and why it's one of my favorite book series. I Again, I didn't want to give you guys a bunch of spoilers and tell you, oh, this happens and this happens and this happens, because that's just not fun. It doesn't make it as much fun then when you go back and read the book yourself, which is really, I think, the best part. I will say a lot of his books are on audiobook. It's a very popular book series. It's, he's consistently in the top 10 
New York Times bestsellers lists with some of these books. He's been there many times with the various Xanth novels. So it really is a good book series. Most people agree it's pretty well written, you know, all of that. They're available on Amazon. The audiobooks, I don't know where all of those are available. I know some of them are on Amazon. I actually, when I was looking up information, also discovered that in 1993, uh, I believe it was Legend Entertainment put out a video game version of Xanth because that's how popular the book series is. Now, this is a DOS video game, so it's super 8-bitty, super old-school, like, click-to-follow-the-storyline kind of video game, and I don't even think you could find it anywhere anymore. But if you were curious what it looked like, I did find on YouTube a run-through of it. It's a complete run-through of the entire game, so it's over three hours long. So I would recommend caution when starting it in case you don't want to finish it because it's long. It is by Retro Gaming Museum and the video game is called Companions of Xanth. So if you type in Companions of Xanth on YouTube, it pops up pretty quickly. There's also, like I said, the audiobooks and several of them are available on YouTube as well. If you put in Xanth, which is X-A-N-T-H, then it pops up pretty readily. So they're fairly easy to find because it's, again, such a popular book series. I highly recommend you check it out. And I'll be back again next week to talk about a new topic. Please remember to check out the other wonderful podcasts and productions here at nerdsmith.org. I'll be back next week with a new and interesting topic. And until then... Don't forget to geek thyself. Sorry, guys. We got to jump in. I'm sorry. What do you do? What do you mean jump in? You're going to do a wild jump. You're going to kill us all. I don't have a choice. Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, this isn't good. You know what happened last time. It, we're not. I got to go. Sorry. Oh, hold God. on. Guys, we're taking fire. Land is near a hospital. Hold on. Like what you hear? This is a small sample of the action and excitement that await you every Monday on the Chaotic Goodness Podcast. Download us on your favorite podcast app and join us for space opera, action, adventure, and lots and lots of console cleaning. Let the chaos begin. Now we can be found as part of the NerdSmith Podcast Network. Find us at nerdsmith.org. Send us your questions about magical mishaps, or tune in for the latest music on the mythical airwaves. Make sure you tune in for the latest tournament results and where to find the best parties on campus. Or maybe the latest test answers, too. You don't even go here. Never let your schooling interfere with your education, Rupert. WAND Radio. Magic, music, and mayhem. On nerdsmith.org, or wherever you download your podcasts. We are not inciting mayhem on this radio station. That's a tip.